spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Thank you for joining us on EZ's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. One of the things that is coming up and has been under preparation for months is the census. Every 10 years, we do a count of every person in the country, and this is critical because this is what determines the funding to each state. So I'm very happy to welcome from the Urban League of Broward County, Emanuela Jean-Etienne, Community Relations Coordinator. Thank you for talking to us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You guys at the Urban League of Broward County are one of a group of, is it seven or eight, working with the Wallace H. Coulter Foundation to re-grant funds to other nonprofits to make sure that everyone gets covered in the census. How is that working with your role? Uh, Yes. So like you said before, we're a group of eight philanthropic donors and nonprofit organizations that have come together to raise funds to redistribute to nonprofit organizations that are doing census outreach. So what we know is that Florida did not allocate funds specifically to go towards the census. And so you have a group of individuals who care about uh, individuals being counted and who wanted to kind of fill in that gap. And so we've created resources online in addition to the grant so that we know that the census is coming and, and our communities are informed. What are the different ways that people can fill out the census? So this year is actually the first time the census will be completely online. And so individuals get a card in the mail with a code on it telling them to go online to fill out the census. But what they can also do is fill it out by phone and by mail. And if for some reason you don't get that card, how can you then go forward with being sure you're counted? So you can actually go on the Census Bureau website. So even if you don't have the card, you can go on the Census Bureau website and there will be a link. You can say that you don't have your code and still fill out the census that way. Okay, and that's census.gov. Yes, and individuals will be receiving the cards in the mail. They'll receive two or three. And so as soon as you get it, you can definitely fill out the census. And then what would be the latest? Is there a date where you've missed out and now you're not counted and then that means we're going to have an undercount and we won't get, I believe it's 14000 something dollars per person per year over the next 10 years? We're trying to not focus on the very last day to complete the census. <laughs> okay. we're, trying to, <laughs> we're trying to encourage people to fill it out as soon as they get it. It takes between five and 10 minutes to fill out online. You will have enumerators who come knocking on your door to help individuals who have not filled it out online, fill it out that way. Okay. With Wallace H. Culture Foundation being part of Florida Counts Census 2020, the organization Florida Counts has raised over a million dollars to help fund nonprofits throughout the state, giving them the ability to reach out on a local basis. How was it determined which nonprofits would receive funding? 
So we had an RFP process where we invited individuals to apply online. And what you had to do was kind of show that you had an outreach plan, uh, that you were a trusted voice in the community. And so we've had our seventh round of grants distributed. We've awarded $1 million to community-based organizations. And there are a wide range of plans for community members. So some of our grantees are doing educational outreach, they're doing workshops to community members, or they're giving workshops to service providers. Other grantees have a digital outreach strategy where they're using uh, social media and other outlets to reach individuals. And for some populations that are hard to count, such as migrant worker groups or immigrant groups, uh, there are unique ways to reach them where they are and to provide flyers and information that way. So what we looked at was whether the grantee was in a county that was typically hard to count, whether we had representation there already, and whether they had a comprehensive plan of how they were going to reach hard to count population groups within their county. And what is the definition? How do you determine a trusted voice? I would say a trusted voice. So when people think of the census, they they definitely think of the federal government. But what we wanted was to find groups that have already been in a community that either provides services or they've already provided educational outreach to the community where they serve. And so individuals see them already. There's a building, they have received messaging. And so when they tell you to fill out the census or when they give you information, you trust them already because it's not like a stranger is coming in. You've had interactions with them already. Okay. So I'm looking at the list of recipients and I, I when I see United Way, I go, okay, I absolutely know who United Way is or the League of Women Voters, Meals on Wheels, Hispanic Unity. These are all mm-hmm. organizations that we're familiar with. So I understand how you mean my trusted voice. And with the outreach, then, in addition to being able to fill out the census online, what is the phone number someone would call if they want to do it by phone? The phone number would be on the card that they receive. So there's the code and then that phone number would be on there as well. And obviously, South Florida, we have such a melting pot of people from, in fact, the whole country. We have what? hundreds of languages spoken here. So are there people who can speak the language that's necessary for some people who don't speak English? Absolutely. So when we looked at our grantees, we also looked at whether they could reach population groups for individuals who spoke other languages. So we have several grantees who speak Spanish, some who have a niche population group, so indigenous languages from Central America, for example. We have organizations that reach the Haitian community and can provide translation services that way. So our grantees also touch upon the many different uh, languages that are spoken in Florida and have outreach strategies to reach those communities as well. Are they trained in how to respond to questions that people may have? Like you mentioned, some people are concerned it's the federal government and they're afraid of what the results might be or if there's going to be a backlash if they fill out the census. How do you respond to people who have fears? So Florida Counts uh, Census 2020, we actually have a website, flcounts.com, and that provides information, messaging, flyers, 
for community members, and it also serves as a resource for our grantees to redistribute information to their communities. But we've also hosted training sessions throughout South Florida where our grantees can come in and have a Census 101 workshop uh, kind of to go over what the census is and questions that individuals might have. Can you use volunteers aside from the nonprofits that you're working with? Some of our grantees do um, use volunteers and some of our grantees through their grant, they hire individuals to do census outreach. Do you know if it's too late to apply for a job with the census or is there still time? So it's not too late to apply for the census. There are different needs based on the county. And so you can definitely go to the Census Bureau website to apply for a job. Okay, and I know these are very good-paying jobs. Like you say, there are different roles that are needed, people, you know, for going door-to-door, people who can help fill out forms. You know, as you said, this is the first year that it can be done entirely online, and I've got to think that for some people, they're thinking, oh, good, I don't have to go outside because of the concerns about the coronavirus. So obviously, you've found ways where no one has to have any contact with anyone if they don't want to with the coronavirus. So absolutely. So there is concern about the coronavirus. And thankfully, the census will be online by phone or by mail. And so even if individuals aren't going out into the community, this is still something that they can fill out and do from the comfort of their homes. And your website, flcounts.com, you say you have all sorts of information there. And I want to emphasize that it doesn't have to be a formal organization who goes to get the information. Anyone can take a look, share the information with their neighbors or their friends or their family members to educate people about the importance of filling out the census. Absolutely. Okay. Are there tips that you would give us for people to understand the urgency of filling out the census? So it's estimated that Florida relinquished approximately $20 billion between 2010, the last census, and 2020 by not counting all residents. And so our goal is to ensure a complete count because we know that the census touches all areas in which we receive government funds. And so that includes programs surrounding infrastructure, health care, transportation, the arts, essentially Over 325 federal programs are impacted by the census each day. And so as we're having conversations with our friends and our families, it is important to reiterate the fact that this is about a fair allocation of federal government funds for the next 10 years. Yeah, losing out on $2 billion a year is huge. And when you mention health care, especially now as we're talking about the coronavirus, imagine having an extra $2 billion to deal with funding for, say, testing or making spots available for people if they need to have care or bringing in extra health care workers. So it's really an important thing. We can't emphasize the importance of filling out that census. And for any information, this group has done amazing work. Florida Counts with the Wallace H. Coulter Foundation and seven other nonprofits raising the money that is being distributed to 48 community-based organizations, nonprofits that will be working within each community to help reach people. Your website again, flcounts.com, census.gov is where you can get the information about jobs that are available and also go ahead and find any questions about filling out your census, even if you don't 
have the card. Absolutely. Emmanuela Jean-Etienne, Community Relations Coordinator with Urban League of Broward County. So appreciate your time. Thank you. I am so happy to welcome to Easy's Community Focus, Juliet Rolak, Director of External Corporate Affairs for FPL. And first of all, I have to thank you for being so generous and so supportive of our recent fundraising drive for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Broward County. We hit the goals. Yay. Yes, I'm so pleased. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Huge success. And you were a huge part of it. But back in your role as FPL person... Looking ahead to the hurricane season, we always have to have a conversation with you. We're already in hurricane season. We've already seen multiple storms that have been named. And we have this big elephant that's not really in the room. It's everywhere. It's COVID-19. How is that impacting what you plan to do before, during, and after a storm? Well, how much time do you have? (laughs) No, So, first of all, thank you for having us on. Um, you know, FPL really wants to kind of share updates so that uh, I think communication is key. So, it's important that our customers know what we're doing and know um, how we're preparing so that uh, they can feel comfortable that we will be ready for this, any storm that hits in the pandemic, the double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how does how has it been impacting? Well, you know, first and foremost, there's we've always held um, safety uh, of our employees to be uh, priority number one. But it's become even a a more difficult challenge uh, because of the health component of safety. Right. Mm -hmm. So more often it was physical, but now certainly it's health. So there has been a broad range of COVID-related safety criteria that's been put in place to assure that all our personnel, and of course, very specifically, our utility and line workers are um, kept in, you know, conform and comply to safe, uh, safe distancing. So what does that mean? Uh, You know, we have consistent, um, we've been providing testing, we have uh, daily use of thermometers, screening before our workers are able to go out. We have limited all utility workers uh, convening in their work yard as they customarily do, and now they are deployed to smaller areas where there are fewer of the workers together, uh, and so they deploy differently. But because of strategic planning, it has not at all impacted our ability to respond to things as they come up. We just respond differently. So, you know, as that translates to hurricane season, we're going to, instead of having those very large sites, staging sites that we're all accustomed to, that we used to call many cities, we're going to have micro sites. So there will be uh, much smaller sites that will be situated throughout our territory, where we will have much of the same accommodations and uh, supplies and so forth, making sure we have a, we have nursing stations. We, again, will go through the entire safety protocol of temperature checks and, you know, providing screenings so that uh, our workforce is safe and comfortable uh, during this time where they will be working virtually 24-7 to make sure that lights come back up. 
Are you prepared to deal with the emotions of people who are already in a difficult place because they've been kind of locked up, even though we had allowed more relaxed guidelines for going out? And we've seen as a result of that this enormous uptick in cases. So they're already on edge. And then if we have a storm, it's even more frightening. And if they lose power, I, I know they get very antsy very quickly anyway. Have you thought at all about how to address that aspect of it? Uh, of course, Ellen, we have given um, that a lot of thought. And that's why I began our conversation that communication is key. I think uh, the best thing that we can do is share and be very transparent about um, our level of preparation and also the challenges that we anticipate going into this um, event. So we're going to, you're going to hear a lot of messaging. This is one opportunity, but to the extent we can, we're going to be sharing this type of information as much as possible so our customers know exactly what's going on. I think that will go a long way. Um, in terms of, so to get to that point, uh, one of the things that we anticipate, uh, I think when you know that last year, I think it was, we had one of the most significant pre-deployment of utility workers that has been seen throughout the country, right? It yeah. was actually world-class, more than 28,000 utility workers from out of state combining with our own local workers to get the power back on. So we anticipate that that will not be the case if it occurs during a pandemic. We certainly will have, uh, we will likely have restoration workers from other areas. However, we expect that it will be much more limited because every utility company has their own pandemic restrictions and constraints. We're all wanting to make sure our workers remain safe. And so there are going to be restrictions on us being able to get that level of support. So unfortunately, um, you know, that means that uh, we may not be able to deliver on restoration to the extent that our customers are used to, which is uh, very fast. Yes. We, however, have committed that we will absolutely work 24-7 to make sure that we get our uh, customers back on as soon as possible. Because of that, we are using as much technology as we can. We have drones that we're using, uh, of course, our existing smart grid, all of which are going to help us get the power back on that much more quickly. So, uh, you know, this is going to be a system-wide deployment. We're using our technology, our smart grid, as well as our restoration personnel to uh, make sure this happens as best we can. Yeah, you have put a lot of thought into this. It's very obvious. Is there a request that you would make to the public in both preparation to make things less likely to, you know, where you would have trees on lines and also as a patient's request under the circumstances with FPL and with your workers? You know, I really appreciate you asking that question. So I would like to begin by saying that I really strongly and FPL strongly encourages all Floridians 
you know, and all our local customers, please, please come up and develop a personal plan for how to respond during this double crisis, hurricane and pandemic. Uh, Be prepared. So our company, for example, um, has all our employees develop their own storm plan. I know where my husband is going to be, uh, where my uh, dog is going to be. I know alternate location should we choose to leave. And so it, it gives me a lot of peace of mind. And I think that extends to our customers as well. So have a plan. And so that um, anxiety that may come with uh, thinking of what to do when when the hurricane hits won't be there. You will have a plan. You will be prepared. And to that extent, uh, because we know that we may have a longer restoration period, we would also clearly strongly urge our customers to have enough supplies that they will not be concerned. Now, uh, we're conservative. We're saying maybe have up to two weeks I think that would give everyone a level of comfort so that they would be able to sustain themselves and have all the supplies they need um, if, in fact, we do see that we are not able to get the customers on as quickly as we'd like. Those are the two things. And with that comes patience. Right. So to your point, you're asking me about patience. We do ask our customers for their patience as we res- you know, work to restore their power safely and as quickly as possible. You know, This is an unprecedented challenge of severe weather combined with a global pandemic. So you know, rest assured, our commitment to our customers won't change, but what will change may be um, our ability to get them uh, back on uh, as they desire. We will continue to work around the clock. So I'm going to add into that. When we talk about preparation, we know that people don't really think about it until there's a storm that's formed and we're in the cone. So knowing that if you wait until the last minute, not only will supplies be limited, but you're going to have a massive crowd of people. And we're not supposed to be with massive crowds of people right now. And the last thing you want is to get sick while you don't have power after a hurricane has hit. So now is the time to start stocking up, have the water, have the non-perishable goods, canned goods. All the things that you bought when you were first stocking up for the pandemic are the same pretty much things that you need for a hurricane with the addition of battery-powered radio and make sure you have lots of batteries. And I'm going to suggest right now invest, and it's not a lot of money, in some battery-operated fans just in case the power goes out. It'll keep you a little bit cooler if you can't afford a generator. Battery-operated fans, you too cool. I have no association with them. I just use them. They're great fans, and they really help when you are without power in summer in South Florida. So that's the first thing is to definitely start stocking up now. Please don't wait until the last minute. And then, you know, again, you might want to consider investing in the generator that you've thought about for years and say, okay, this is the year that it's worth it to, you know, at least power my refrigerator so that I can keep my food good or power one air conditioner in one room if you need to, just in case someone is sick and be sure to have your medications in advance. And like you say, having a plan really does make a difference as much as you can reduce your own anxiety it will change the entire environment 
of your home and of your neighborhood if you can stay calm during a storm. As far as pre-preparation aside from stocking up, can people call you for guidance on how to deal with their trees to keep that safe? So, uh, yes. So there is actually a very robust segment of our website that deals with trees. So there are certain trees that may be close to power lines now, and we ask that our customers be very careful about trimming that and only use licensed tree trimmers to do that. If they have any concerns, there is a number on the website as well as an email that they can readily ask and seek assistance or advice on what best to do regarding um, that scenario. So, Trees, as we know, are the most common reason that, you know, that cause outages uh, in these storms. Uh, You know, they blow into the lines if they're too close or they're uprooted and, you know, hit into the lines. So we really do encourage to the extent you can, now is the time to trim your trees and make sure uh, they're as far away from the power lines as possible. That goes a long way. You know, before you move on, Ellen, I also wanted to, uh, your uh, suggestions on preparation were excellent. There's another one, however, I wanted to call out, and that is for those who have uh, either elderly parents, grandparents, or or any family member who needs life-sustaining medical equipment that requires electricity. Please plan up for a backup power source or make arrangements for somewhere that they can go that you assured will have a generator backup. Uh, that is so important. And that has to be uh, one of the most difficult situations to be in, it, to encounter if you leave that to the last minute and have not made those types of plans. I really want to do that. The other thing, you know, surprisingly that we get a lot of, Um, I shouldn't say surprisingly, I have my dog who I love dearly. But if you have pets, to consider where they will stay if you're forced to evacuate. That also causes our customers great anxiety if at the last minute they don't have a place where they can also take their pets. So I just wanted to share both of those because those are commonly um, the two things we hear about most when we're asked. Yeah, those are really important points. And once you mentioned evacuation, I had spoken to the city and they reminded me that they will have to abide by the COVID-19 guidelines in the event that there is a storm and people evacuate. So they're going to need to be prepared for a smaller number of people and social distancing in the evacuation centers also, and they're recommending that if you're the person who would normally evacuate, perhaps consider going to a different city, going to visit a friend or a family member rather than staying local as a way to reduce the great need and the impact on the local shelters. It's this tremendous amount of planning that we need more than ever this year. You know, I am so impressed with what you guys have done. Obviously, there's so much to take into consideration, and you've thought it all out already. And thank you for that. And I I do want to add one more thing. Aside from the hurricane planning, you have assistance available that you can work with people who are struggling financially because of COVID-19. Can you just briefly touch on that? I, I really appreciate you asking that, too. So www.fpl.com backslash help. Uh, And that's what we're here for, to help. 
So we do know uh, that I certainly have friends and family who are struggling after COVID, having lost their jobs or suffered other uh, difficulties because of this pandemic. Uh, If you are having any difficulty meeting or paying your bills, please do call. Uh, We have actually a list of resources that we can point you to for financial assistance that specifically uh, you may be eligible for for your utility bills, as well as um, working with you for payment plans. We are really sensitive to that. We know it's difficult and we really want to help our customers get through this. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Boy, whoever thought that we'd be dealing with something like this, you know, hurricane season is enough of a challenge without a global pandemic. And everyone is learning to look at things differently, think differently, prepare differently. And no one thought we would still be dealing with this at this point in the year. But here we are. And so together, if we work together, if we all consider what other people are going through and how much more they're dealing with, it will make us all kinder to each other and we'll get through it a lot easier. Yes, so true, so true. You know, um, FPL has had a pandemic plan in place since H1N1. And so it was great to be able to dust it off and, you know, rely on that because it was so sudden beyond, you know, the coming of this crisis. Mm -hmm. So, We're here. Uh, Again, I would just leave everyone with now is the time to get ready. Don't wait till the storm is looming and be patient. These are extraordinary times. And you should know that FPL is going to do its part before and after a storm to help get all our lives back to normal. Thank you so much. We know you are an integral part of our community. You support the community. You live in the community. You work in the community, and you are here for us. So on behalf of everybody, (laughs) I thank you, Director of External Corporate Affairs for FPL, Juliet Rolak. Once again, you are just so gracious with your time and your knowledge. I appreciate it. And thank you, Ellen, for bringing all this information to our community. It makes a difference. Thank you. And that does it for Easy's Community Focus this week. I'm Ellen Jaffe. If you have questions about the program or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. Thank you for listening. Wash your hands and join us again next Sunday at 6.50 for a new edition of Easy's Community Focus. Wishing you a safe, healthy, and happy Sunday. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.